Welcome back to the CRB Horizons podcast. We're bringing you the trends and data collected from our survey of hundreds of industry leaders in the life sciences and food and beverage industries. Join me, Ashley Martins, as we dive into the 2023 Horizons Life Sciences Report with the subject matter experts who wrote it. My name is Ryan Thompson, Senior Specialist, Industry 4.0. I'm Ranjan Kulkarni. I'm the Senior Director for Consulting. I'm Peter Walters. I'm Fellow of Advanced Therapies here at CRB. The 2023 Horizons Life Sciences Report captures data from more than 500 industry leaders working at small to large companies in Europe and North America. And one theme stood out. We're eager to jump into digitalization. The world is getting digital and fast. The life sciences industry in particular is adopting Industry 4.0, also known as the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Digital technologies aid in improving manufacturing operations through tools like predictive analytics, robotics, automation, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. Though the life sciences industry is behind others in the full adoption of digitalization tools, our findings reveal that most companies in this space have the budgets to begin supporting these efforts. High quality, contextualized data and a robust strategy unlock the potential to implement advanced analytics, artificial intelligence, and machine learning at scale. Even with the advancement of these exciting new technologies, life science manufacturers are still hesitant to fully invest in Industry 4.0 in their facilities. In today's episode, Ryan, Naranjan, and Peter talk through these challenges and risks the industry faces to adopt Industry 4.0 technologies. These include needing a better way to quickly deploy medicine and treatment to patients, keeping patients safe by ensuring quality in the treatment manufacturing process, and adhering to local regulations. The first tool we discuss is generative AI. How can it be useful for life science manufacturers, especially when it comes to personalizing treatments for people and producing medications quickly? Artificial intelligence is a big topic. I actually think if you look at a lot of market research, it's the first year, you know, 2022 into 2023, where CEOs are mentioning this in their earnings reports, what they're doing with AI. Um, you saw it from like a pop culture point of view with ChatGPT. Um, and that ChatGPT is an example of, of generative AI, which is artificial intelligence that's creating content as opposed to artificial intelligence that's looking at data and giving insights. Um, so the biggest use case that we see, and this is in the Horizons report as well, um, with generative AI is in like drug development. So designing new molecules, I think um, that's where most companies are investing actively right now. Um, but I also think there's a lot of opportunity outside of that, specifically in the manufacturing space. How are we going to design new processes to, to not from like a like a process tech point of view, but like from like an organizational intelligence point of view? You know, it doesn't make sense to have a person do task A, B, C, or um, can we design our whole operation differently? You know, taking a a shift-based smart manufacturing approach as opposed to I'm going to dedicate this person to this piece of equipment. So from like a personalized medicine point of view, you can't have these people dedicated to like a bench and you've got like process variability to consider. So you might have a bottleneck on one piece of equipment and an operator standing by idle. AI should be able to better generate solutions to run our businesses. And I think we're kind of behind on that. When we look at what AI has done to other industries like um, banking and, and like, um, retail, 
there's a huge shift. Manufacturing is way behind and life sciences are way behind as well compared to manufacturers in general. I think that's from like a regulatory perspective. It's a lot more difficult to implement solutions um, in a life sciences environment than it is in other environments. But there's a lot of opportunity and like what this report really shows is that our, our clients and the industry is investing significantly and they're ready to adopt this change. Um, I think they do need some more guidance from industry and that could be organizations like ISPE, um, but mostly regulators as well, FDA or European Medicines Agency. Yeah, I mean, there is, as the report also shows, you know, there is a lot of interest and actual applications upstream in the drug development. But as you rightly said, it is trickling its way down into manufacturing. We have seen some use cases where people are now moving away from a reaction, like maintenance is going more towards condition-based, more predictive, truly, where AI can figure out what's the perfect storm when you need your maintenance crew to be ready. So I think there are applications that we are seeing. Yes, they are still in the making, but I think that has you know, some, a tremendous potential in commercial manufacturing as well. I think not even just the, the building facilities and equipment side of it, but um, even pushing into the process, we're even seeing some situations with, um, especially when we talk about personalized medicine, uh, where you have this very complex sort of manufacturing ecosystem where your starting material is varying every single batch, um, trying to figure out what your critical parameters are and how to put ranges on those is very difficult. And we've even seen some companies that are trying to leverage AI systems to help inform them real time about how to perform their process to get the best possible outcome. And in terms of a quality product, you might get the best quality product out of that because you're doing huge number of computations in a way that humans just can't. I, I think you raise, raise a really good point there where like humans just aren't good at looking at all this type of data in real time and providing solutions, whereas computers, they sit by idly, but they're able to like grasp things that you would never think would be related and just ingest so much data and come up with these insights. I just like you could have a team of, of scientists looking at it, but the, I think something that's critical is making sure that we've got data strategies in place to make sure yeah. that your whole business is structured to ensure that data is being able to be consumed by these um, you know, AI or, or advanced analytics programs because so much time right now, even if, like if you look at like a data scientist's time, they spend three quarters of their time cleaning and, and preparing data to be ingested into these systems, and that's really not going to scale either. Yeah. But I don't think um, there's going to be a Terminator coming out anytime soon. So <laughs> humans are still going to be very critical in interpreting that data, finding those, you know, yes, the AI can find the patterns, but how do you interpret or how do you apply that? And uh, yeah, how do you prove it? How do you prove it to regulators too, Absolutely. like Peter mentioned? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think we are very focused on, yes, manufacturing and facilities for a right cause, but I think it extends into supply chain as well, right? Where, especially for personalized medicines, if it is one batch, one patient, knowing that it's going to the right patient is critical. How do we adjust our parameters? How do we find the optimized routes, which you know, many times the retail industry has done a decent job at that, right? Amazon makes sure that there are as many minimum left turns possible because right turn is free. 
So having those kind of in, in insights into logistics, AI can truly help fasten the overall supply chain, not just manufacturing, I feel. I mean, I think on the personalized medicine side, life sciences companies have to become logistics companies like a little mini Amazon because that problem is so difficult to solve and it's not one that they've, they've been thinking of. And I look at like, if you imagine like from a healthcare provider's point of view, how do you know that the manufacturing facility has the capacity to make what you need to make if you go and see your doctor, get your patient material drawn? How do you know your therapy is going to make it back to you on time? How can the, the hospital rely on the manufacturer if these things aren't completely integrated and tight knit? And like, we can talk about you know building factories bigger than they need to be, so we know that the capacity is available all the time. But that's just going to increase costs drastically for products that are already really expensive. Where we need to, as an industry, drive towards you know reducing those really by ninety percent or something like crazy to to get them to be you know commercially viable products. So I think a lot of people have heard the phrase "data is the new oil." Um, it's something that's a little bit buzzy, but it's really about getting extra value from the information that you're collecting already. Um, so you can think about if, you know, oil companies make a lot of money by extracting oil from the ground, but what are you going to do with data to get value out of it? It's of no value to anyone if you're collecting information, whether that's from your manufacturing operations or any other business system that you might have. If it just sits on a hard drive somewhere and you don't do anything with it, that's of no value to anyone. It's actually a cost because now your cost, you've got to store it. You have to maintain that storage. You have a bunch of, especially in life sciences, all the regulation about keeping it with you. And if you're not going to do anything with it, then what's the value? Um, companies today, if you look at it, like a lot of people say like Tesla is a data company that, that makes cars. So their car products continue to get better as you use them because it's collecting a whole bunch of information for how people drive their cars and making that user experience better. Um, I think that's what part of digital transformation is unlo un unlocking new value streams based on the data that, that's being collected and, and that you're getting anyway. I think something that's really excited, at least on like the personalized medicine side, you can see what the patient results are with the therapy that they received. Um, and I, I mean, there's privacy concerns that we'll have to deal with as an industry with that, but I think that can be really powerful. Tailoring medicine directly to the patient while delivering quick, reliable, and consistent turnaround times at a lower cost would be a huge breakthrough in the life sciences industry. However, it comes with another consideration. We are dealing with people's lives. If we hand the responsibility over to AI or technology, what happens if the tech gets it wrong and patients experience detrimental side effects? What risks are life science manufacturers willing to take? They have a business to run and their business is of course at risk when they make major changes, but they're also putting the patient population at risk when they're making changes that could significantly interrupt the supply chain of therapies to the marketplace. Um, how scary do you think it is for companies to be taking basically roles that have historically been performed by people and handing them over to an AI system to now be managing in a way that maybe, do you feel like there's just like a general lack of understanding as to how that works and how that's gonna impact like is it going to be making mistakes like things like that so i don't think that companies are ready to take that step yet where ai is completely managing everything um, where i've seen companies be successful is ai makes recommendations and then and a person would review those recommendations and see if they're appropriate and gauge the risk so ai is kind of looking at everything and saying hey this doesn't look right to me what do you think about it um, so it's not directly making the GMP decisions and the, the person is, and of course, that, but that can become another, another problem where if AI gets good and their 90% of the recommendations are right, 
people can get complacent in that too, right? So you have to look yeah. at that operational risk and what that means. Um, but I think right now companies aren't ready to take that full, hey, AI says this, and, and that's really how they're structuring their, their validations and their, uh, their change managements as well. But I also think the AI is learning, right? It's, it's a machine learning. What if it is learning the wrong thing? So like, I, that's a really good question because it's going gonna, it's gonna to learn how you operate and really... So if, it is, if Tesla is going to learn my driving style, it's just learning the wrong thing. <laughs> right? so, so, and if, if it continues to learn, it's actually not learning. It, it, is, it is learning, but it's learning the wrong way, the wrong thing. And if that is going to be implemented, it's going to be a disaster. So who's going to check if it is learning the right way or not? It's a really good point. I mean, the more data you collect, the better it's going to be. But I think what's tricky for manufacturers and life sciences in particular um, is everybody considers their data proprietary. So, I mean, uh, when we talk about data is, is the new oil, keeping that to yourself means that's where, you know, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make the most money, my business is gonna be the most successful. Um, where AI gets really, really good, and we talked a little bit about predictive maintenance, is nobody cares what the performance of a motor is for vibration and temperature. It's gonna fail, you know what the prof profile lo looks like. Nobody considers that a proprietary thing. But how you operate a manufacturing facility, people do and should consider that proprietary. Whereas if we, look, if we take a step back, as an industry, it would be better if everybody shared all of their data and then we could you know, determine which companies are successful, what, what, is, success, what is right. Um, but I, nobody's going to do that. Um, I think that's you know, not the way the world works. Um, no, the but, reason but to determine what's the right thing, um, you have to really look at what KPIs you're looking for, um, what actions turn into business results and having it learn that, like if it's, it would still identify what's good for you, even if that's the wrong thing. It doesn't matter if it's AI learning or person doing it. These doses are administered to the patient when they are literally, you know, the last string, right? And if that string breaks, do we know it is because the medicine did not work or so how do we know that there was a quality issue in the medicine? So, I mean, the way, the way that you would typically be trying to frame that is you have a set of procedures, and as you're doing those procedures, there's typical ranges you have to be staying within, the idea being that if you've done everything with these steps and the testing that you've been doing, falls within its normal ranges. Okay, as yeah, as yeah. much as you can guess, that drug is gonna be consistent with the name, the label, the claims, the clinical data, the performance of it. But uh, to Ryan's point earlier, like not every product is gonna work 100% of the time. A lot of times that isn't, it's just is unrealistic when we talk about medicine and the complexity that is the human like immune system and whatnot. You'll have a percentage chance that it will work a percentage amount of time or a percentage clearance or a percentage cure or um, it'll address the symptoms some amount and that's going to change person by person by person anyway and ultimately it'll come down to the interaction between the patient and the medication and how well those two function together that might have nothing to do with the medication itself. There is a lot of skepticism around AI. What are some strategies companies can take to be innovative? And what, if any, new technology is worth investing in? So I think, you know, as an industry, especially I'm in a pretty big niche with Industry 4.0, um, 
it becomes like a, an echo chamber and people hear like a lot of buzzwords. Like you'll hear people like me go in and say, you have to do this, this, and this, and they just don't see the business case around it. And they're like, well, if this is so great, if you're gonna get this 10X return on investment right away, wouldn't everybody just be doing this? Um, and I think there's a lot of people that have been, you know, sold one thing and delivered something else. So they have that kind of natural cynicism. So you have to implement these things. Um, and really learn. And if you're not being an innovative company, if you're going to just throw off these technologies, I think it's a mistake. Um, but you're certainly welcome to do that. That's everybody's business perspective. If they don't believe in the hype, then they don't believe in the hype. Um, but I think what we really need to do as an industry is deliver results. And if we can show we did this and here were the results, I think that's a lot more powerful than talking about high level oh, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. So, you know, I, I like to look at every client that I've ever worked with, uh, every factory I've ever been in, there's low-hanging fruit to do these types of digital transformations or, or digital proofs of concept. Um, and I think it's a matter of, like I said, just delivering results quickly and it will build confidence and it creates a snowball effect. But I think it's also like a cu cultural thing where you really need this lead from the leadership level of an organization that says, we're gonna go down this path. We believe culturally it's the right thing to do. We're gonna make mistakes along the way and we're gonna fail fast and fix them. Um, and again, in life sciences, it becomes a bit more difficult because when you're making GMP decisions with, the, with data or using artificial intelligence or data for any GMP purposes, it becomes like a validation headache. Um, whereas in, like, in other industries, you're able to take a more agile, like project agile project management methodology, do sprints, iterate, fail fast, repeat, fix, um, and you start getting result, like your, your time to value is a lot faster. I think in, in life sciences, you really need your you know, change management and organizational pr procedures set up in a way that enables that agility as well. Yeah, to add to that, I think it's not just the change management and the cultural aspect, but you hit on the point, I think that's important is selecting the right project is going to be important. We don't want to own, undertake a big project that will take a long time, you know, takes a, hell of, a lot more money than you want to spend, and then it doesn't give the results at the end. So selecting a right project, implementing fast, and I like what you said is fail fast as well. So you can learn from it, get up, and hopefully it's a small project that does not impact the bottom line. Sometimes it's tricky too, because a lot of the investments that you need to make are infrastructure style investments. So it's hard to de develop like a return on investment for a proof of concept project because you end up spending, you know, three quarters of your project budget on infrastructure, um, which can be expensive. Um, so that can, that can be a challenge as well. Um, but when you look at like a lot of like software as a service offerings or cloud-based offerings, I think that's a nice bridge into those things where you can, you know, you turn it on for a proof of concept project and if it's not producing any value, you shut it off and, and that's that, you haven't spent any capital. Um, and if, you've, if you know, it's a successful, it's really easy to justify additional investment. So do you know what technologies could be considered hype versus you have to do something? So I think with life sciences specifically, you know, electronic batch records is, and released by exception is you have to do something, especially on like the personalized medicine point of view, that's, just can't scale without that. Um, I do think in general, having a data strategy um, is a really good investment that you can make. So how do, how do you deal with data from its you know, conception through completion, like when it is originated to when it's deleted? So that's gonna be a really complicated process because if you, if you have records of something, um, whether or not you're using it, you're responsible for the, the maintenance. If, if an FDA comes in and, and audits you, you have to be able to provide this information. So it can be expensive to maintain data that you don't need. 
Um, so having a, a data governance strategy is a really important or an, an essential piece. Um, and that will enable other technologies like artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, you know, some things like digital twins are really exciting, but those can be significant investments depending on the amount of fidelity you want to put into those models. Mm -hmm. um, so that's not, I, I, to me, that's not a must have, that's kind of a nice to have type uh, technology. And really investing in like the cultural piece of this. We're going to be a digital first company. This is the way we're going to do things. We're going to make, our, make sure our whole business is connected, make sure our manufacturing floor is connected to our business systems. And just that type of, that type of change can provide a lot of value um, and really enable people to do their jobs better, enable them to make changes to whether that's pieces of software or procedures. Um, just build that. I think it also makes your... Um, company a more exciting place to work if you, if you feel like your whole staff is empowered mm -hmm. to use all the data that's collected to make their part of the company perform better. Um, I think that's going to produce incredible results and I, would, I think the cultural side is, is a big place to invest as well. Industry 4.0 and its tools are not going anywhere. But people and processes are just as important as the technology. Having a leadership team in place that facilitates a digital-first manufacturing mindset enables the success of these technologies and empowers everyone in the organization to make Industry 4.0 a reality. With the right team, creating a data strategy, leveraging it to solve specific use cases, and putting it into practice will make a facility more agile and better equipped to produce therapies efficiently. Want more information about Industry 4.0 and how it's affecting the life sciences industry? Download your copy of the free Horizons Life Sciences Report by visiting crbgroup.com slash horizons dash reports. We will share those links in the show notes. Subscribe to the show so you can be notified when our new episode is released next month. Thanks for listening.